What's going on, everybody? I'm Johnny Brook from Crafted Workshop. Welcome to episode number 47 of the Crafted Podcast. Podcast all about making stuff by hand, woodworking, metalworking, leather, electronics, and more. We put out new episodes every Thursday on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, pretty much everywhere podcasts are available. And we are also live streaming on Thursdays now at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. So we switched it up a little bit just to kind of work better with our schedules. And I think hopefully it'll work better with some of your schedules as well, just being kind of during the day. You can just put it on in the background at work, that kind of thing. Or our international listeners uh, will finally have a chance so it's not in the middle of the night for them. So again, that's 10 a.m. Eastern Time on Thursdays. Uh, You can live stream on our YouTube channel, just Crafted Podcast. Just go search it there and you will find it. Go ahead and get subscribed there and you'll get notified when we start new streams. Also, if you like the show, go ahead and give us a rating on iTunes. That is super, super helpful. Uh, We love getting good reviews from you guys, and that helps us kind of get in front of more listeners that way. So uh, last, we are also on Patreon. We've added a $250 goal for a weekend show, and we're slowly creeping up on that. So that's patreon.com slash crafted podcast. We've got a bunch of support levels. We do a weekly after show. Uh, We're going to do some monthly hangouts if we get any patrons at that level. And our top patrons of the week are Make, Build, Modify, Master of None, and Debbie Brooke. All right, let's go ahead and introduce the other co-hosts. We've got James Wright from Wood by Wright. What's going on, James? Oh, I am doing so good today. Thank you for having me. This is wonderful. (laughs) Oh, jeez. Uh-oh. All right, and I've got Zach Herberholz from ZH Fabrications. What's going on, Zach? Hey. (laughs) James is going to be a different I, accent every episode now. I don't know. It was like the Kentucky auctioneer, and now it's uh, an Indian person. And what's next, Irish or uh, and there, English? And there or... goes 1% of our listeners. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> We've become offensive in 10 seconds. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Well, awesome. Well, uh, what you guys been up to? Zach, you want to kick us off this week? Yeah. Um, so uh, everything's kind of scattered. So I think last week I, I we did this. I was in uh, Chattanooga, um, which is a really cool city, by the way. But uh, yeah, so got back in town, um, I think last Friday or Saturday. And uh, all is all is well. There's just some minor damage to our house, um, which isn't really a big deal. Fortunately, the hurricane ended up dodging us. Uh, but uh, yeah, back to work. Um see what have I been doing been catching up on all of my orders I actually it's funny as soon as I left town I got like a ton of orders for t-shirts and key fobs and this and that so they've kind of been stacking up so I've just been playing catch up this week uh getting ready to send out a huge box of orders today that's on my to-do list um put out that uh yeah I didn't I put that out this week the uh forged coat rack video so that's new that was just a little fun one day build um, and have some, have some other stuff in store. Um, I don't know if, if you guys follow my Instagram or my Facebook or anything, but, uh, I have this kind of unique stool design that I've been working on and I, I don't know exactly how I'm gonna, how I'm gonna build it yet, but, uh, plan for that in the future. Um, so yeah, it's just been kind of a, kind of a catch up week for me, but it's, it's been good. Awesome, yeah. That uh, that coat rack looked really cool, man. That turned out yeah. that turned out great. That was uh... yeah, it was it was fun. It was nice to um, it was nice to do a small project. Like I've, I've been saying, and I think probably on the podcast and some of my previous videos that uh, I really want to put out more content. And part of the reason I haven't been putting out a lot of content is just because my builds are usually pretty. They've been getting bigger and more intricate, and uh, just takes a lot of time. But it was really nice to. 
obviously I love sponsored videos because it helps me pay my bills, which is <laughs> difficult, but, um, uh, it was actually really nice just to do a no pressure build. It was just like, this is just a fun little one day project and I don't have to think it out too much. And there's no pressure if it, if it turns out as garbage, then, <laughs> you know, yep. but, uh, so it was, it was actually really refreshing. It was, you know, it was, it was nice. Yeah. Those little wins are really nice when you're kind of in the midst of huge projects. Cause that's, I'm kind of in the same boat. I mostly do bigger stuff and, um, it's nice to have the kind of smaller things in between, like the little end table I just built this week and, you know, things that only take like two days to build, you know, instead of like eight or more. It's just really stress-free. Yes, totally. So it was, it was nice. And yeah. I got, got to do some new, new stuff. I mean, I'm not, I, I'm not, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even venture to say that I'm an intermediate blacksmith. I still feel like I'm, I have so much to learn when it comes to that. I, I've read a lot and I have a lot of knowledge, but I don't have, I don't have the skill to reinforce that knowledge yet, but, um, it was fun. I got to do some new things. I got to work with, uh, uh, some brass to peen over the, um, yeah, that was cool, which, which was cool. And that was a whole new thing too, because, from what I'm, I've read and what it it seems to be true, uh, brass is like the opposite of other metals in the fact that like the more you hammer it, the more um, brittle it gets, and actually you heat it. When you heat it up, it uh, it 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 uh, like anneals it so so that it doesn't. It takes the the brittleness out. I don't think that's the, the correct way to say it, but it gets work hardened. So when you hammer on it and peen it over, it starts getting really brittle and it's really liable to crack. And it took me about two or three pins to realize that, you know, you, you hit it a bit, heat it up with a torch a bit, and then you can hit it a bit more and it, it, uh, makes it more pliable. And, yeah, exactly. So that was cool. And, and just texturing, um, the, the face where the hooks go into, I, I'd cool. seen I'd seen that somewhere and I'd never done it before and I thought well I'll give it a shot and uh, it turned out really really neat I thought so yeah no that was that uh, was a fun project that was a good build man that's uh it's one of those ones that would I feel like make people want to get into blacksmithing you know because it's like more approachable than you know forging a knife from a you know what I mean like or or something that like just takes a lot more like precision you know what I mean like that thing is so much more like you just think of a shape and you know it doesn't have to be exact or you know like just kind of roll with it and that that, because to me blacksmithing is hard to do like super precisely that that's like the hardest thing to do it is and and like i've finally gotten to the point um like yesterday i did i had to batch out a whole bunch of those key fobs for the orders and uh I feel like finally, after probably making like 50 of them, I can finally do it without a template to where I can just, I know the curve in my head. I can hold it up and say, oh, that's, that needs to bend more here or there, which sounds simple, but it's really, I mean, for, curves are weird. Like people have a weird relationship with curves and circles. Like we are really, really, really good at spotting imperfections in circles, but we are really terrible at drawing circles. So it's like this weird conundrum of, you know, when you're doing sweeping or swooping curves and circles, it's easy to tell that they don't look right, but it's really hard to find out why they don't look right. And I feel like after making so many of those fobs, I've finally gotten to the point where I can hold the thing up and be like, oh, it's, you know, it's too, uh, 
it's too much curve here and not enough curve there. So I finally got into that. And that's, I feel like that's where it gets fun is when I feel like I'm starting to finally get enough skill to where I know what I'm doing and I'm not just hitting stuff around in the wrong direction and, and getting aggravated. It's uh <laughs> yeah, it, there's, there's definitely with blacksmithing. I feel like it is one of the most frustrating things to start learning because you know what you want to do, but you can't do it. No. I mean, like you, you just, you want something to bend a certain way and you know, <laughs> you have to bend it all the wrong ways. A, a, a several times before you figure out the right way yeah well and just like getting the order of operations down too you know like you have to like do the upsetting before you know the bending or you know what i mean like whatever it is you know it it, i think it's easy to get to a place where it's like oh now i can't do that thing i wanted to do you know like if you want to do a twist and you've already made it like a a hook or something you know like it's just figuring out the right order to do yeah you you definitely have to plan things out but i think that's that's the same as anything i mean if you're making a joint or something you have to you know figure out what kind of paper to use and how much um yeah mine <laughs> anybody no, sorry i was no. reading the live chat <laughs> i've been working on uh, some things oh yeah well what you've been working on james like my french cleat wall which is turning into my dresser <laughs> yeah i was like shouldn't that be a pretty quick little build to knock out well, that's one of the, the 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 funny things I was I was thinking about the other day is most French cleat walls uh, making the actual cleats that go on the wall is like the opening to the video. Yes, yeah. you know, running a sheet of plywood through a table saw. Exactly. Done. Screw them up and voila. Yeah. Um, whereas for for me, I haven't seen anyone else who makes eight foot long cleats with hand tools and puts them up. Nobody's crazy. So the whole do lot. That. Of, that's probably why. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just a whole lot of experimenting and, yeah. and trying to find a way that I really enjoyed. Um, and so the video was showing the way that I found, but then also talking about other possible ways of doing it and why I didn't choose those ways. And uh, so it's an entire video about making um, seven boards with an angle on one edge, yeah. which is, uh, it should be interesting, but it should be out Saturday. Nice. And I'm, I'm looking forward to that one. So that, uh, that, that should be a, it was it's a simple project that I intentionally made complicated. <laughs> yeah, that'll be a fun one to watch, not a fun one to replicate. That'll be... <laughs> That's cool, man. But now that I have those up, I can actually start working on all the, the tool storage that goes on the wall. So I'm, um, I'm in the middle of designing the, um, the sawtill. Um, so hopefully I'll be building that in the next few days and uh, putting that video out as well. So I'm going to be doing the, the sawtill, the plane till, and then I'm going to take a stop on the tool wall and build a lathe. Yeah. Uh, man. Because I have Christmas projects coming up. Yeah. And a lathe is just the oh, it's easiest way to make those. Yeah, no, your 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 set is starting to look really legit over there, man. It's uh I'm I'm excited to see that tool all come together because it's already looking really cool with the uh the background and everything and your last couple of videos with the with the whole new background have been really nice, so and the new bench. So it's uh that's cool. Man. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing the the entire wall covered in tools. Yeah, and then being able to put a, a shallow depth of field on it and kind of blurring them all out slightly. I think that'll make all the videos pop. Totally, that'll be uh, that'll be really sweet. What else are you working on? That's about it right now. Okay. Um, I, the, I, I was in, in, intending the French cleat wall to be like a one day build, and it ended up taking me almost seven days worth of work to complete. <laughs> wow. 
Um, Man. That's... But most of that was just experimenting and playing yeah. with things and, and trying out new styles. Yeah. And in actual work, it was less than one day, so. Yeah. Cool. Well, I've been working on a few things. I put out the uh, the concrete and steel little end table this week and really happy with the way that came out. Uh, first time ever working with concrete, and so it's definitely a little bit intimidating, but honestly, it was a lot easier than I think I thought it was going to be. Um, you know, the, the hardest thing I had trouble with was just smoothing out the dang silicone in the corners to try to get a nice even bevel. And so I saw some cool uh, tips and, and tricks that people left in the comments on my video. So uh, this guy, Modustrial Maker, has been doing some really cool uh concrete stuff with this gfrc which is like a much different type of concrete than what you'd buy just you know in the 80 pound sacks at the home center but it's much smoother and you can get it cool colors and that kind of stuff anyway he uses a a little like cake fondant tool so it's like a little metal ball on the end and they'll put the silicone down and then run the fondant tool across it and it'll squeeze out all the excess to both sides and before he puts down the silicone, he'll put down paste wax and then he can just peel up, peel up the little excess pieces. Doesn't have to use the caulk tool and try to get it all perfectly smooth. So definitely going to try that out next time. He also uses black silicone rather than clear because it's impossible to see the clear silicone on white melamine. So um, lots of good tips. Excited to kind of do another concrete project. You know, this was really just kind of like a, a shakeout build, if you will. You know, it was like, I was thinking of doing an outdoor dining table, but I'm like, I've never worked with concrete. Probably not a good idea to start with like a six foot long, three foot wide tabletop. That uh, that might be a little bit ambitious. So, yeah, that was a that was a good one. I've been working on this kind of modern bar height dining table, and then a couple of matching benches to go with that. It's a client build um, using a ridiculous amount of walnut. I've gone through almost my entire stash. It's a uh, it's kind of nuts. I think I have two boards left from that whole pile that you guys uh, saw last time you were here. So it's, wow. it's, this table is like 120 board feet or something like that. So it is uh, a heck of a lot of walnut, um, the table and the benches. So um, it's all ripped into strips and turned on edge. And so it's kind of like uh, a butcher block top kind of style of walnut yeah walnut yeah because so a that lot sounds, of this stuff has it sounds like you're going to anger a lot of uh uh well snooty woodworkers so you know this is not you know lumber uh like high-end lumber store walnut this is craigslist walnut so there's a ton of sapwood there's a ton of knots you know it's uh it's air dried so the sapwood really stands out which i you know i, I kind of like i think that's up. awesome yeah and i agree but I've always wanted to work with uh, hickory. Uh, I know it's a pain in the butt to work with, but like you see the high contrast hickory, yeah. and like it's it's super cool looking. But yeah, here in Florida, um, we don't get that. Yeah. So I mean, my biggest issue is this lumber wasn't really sorted in any way. Like a guy just sawed up a bunch of trees and put them in a pile, and and I went and bought that pile. So um, you know, there's all kinds of crazy amounts of curvature and that kind of stuff that you know, and lots of tension that was in the board. So there would have been no way to properly flatten this stuff for regular like panel use anyway for a lot of it. So um, I figured, you know what, I'm just going to use this stuff up. Obviously the client's paying for the material anyway. So um, I figured I'd use it up and, and I think it'll still be a cool look because um, it'll just kind of have this kind of, you know, striped effect and I can arrange the sapwood in a way that I think it'll be really cool looking. So um, we'll see how that turns out. It should be a should be a fun one, but that that'll probably be at least another 
a week and a half before that video is out because I still have a lot, a lot left on that one. Um, I was at Festival Connect this weekend, which was a lot of fun. Got to meet a lot of people there, uh, tons of other kind of Instagram people and a few YouTube people and that kind of thing. So it was a lot of fun. I was on a, a social media panel there. We did like a 45-minute long talk with myself and Jeff Mac Designs and Kiefer from Toolaholic and then uh, Toolpig, Paul from Toolpig. And we just talked 45 minutes uh, in front of like the audience there kind of answering questions about social media and, and how it's changed our businesses and how we've learned from it and that kind of stuff. So that was a really fun trip. So did, did you get me a uh, domino like I asked for? You know, I didn't. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> I did not. I didn't. You know, that it's uh, it's more of a consumer event, really. It's it's uh, you know, it's basically like a fan appreciation day for festival. So you get all the real festival like junkies coming out there. And uh, it's it's pretty cool. It, it was a lot of fun. They have like a. You know, obviously, Festival's a German company, so they've got a, a little beer garden set up, and all the food is uh, German themed, and so it was a it was a good time. So that was a lot of fun. But yeah, that's about all I've been working on. It's been crazy, crazy week for sure. I've finally gotten some shop time though, so that's been good. So uh, yeah, I guess let's go ahead and uh, move into our show topic, and that is probably going to be a an easy one for us to answer and it's basically how has making things changed our lives and i think for all three of us it's it's changed our lives drastically so um who wants to kind of kick us off james yeah um well let me let me change that to the hand tool side for me particularly at the moment because my life changed my making yeah um in that I, you know, I used to be power tool, but then I got kids and I became a stay-at-home dad and all of that led into changing how I made things to fit my life, um, which, I don't know, does that <laughs> seem interesting to you guys? Yeah, no, I think so. <laughs> I mean, well, because that's, that's a very different approach, I think. You know, it, it's it's not, you know, Zach and I really are trying to, to make a living producing furniture and you're kind of going the total opposite. You're trying to make a living by essentially like really embracing this much more, uh, you know, old school method of, of woodworking, even though it might be slower or whatever. So I think that's a cool difference for sure. Yeah. Well, and a lot of, you know, my life has changed the way I, I do woodworking, but my, I found that a lot of things kind of go back and forth. Like any time that I, anytime I change something in my my woodworking, it then affects how our life comes out. So, um, like for instance, when I when I switched to doing three videos a week, um, and actually spending more time in the shop, that then meant I had to do more negotiation with my wife about you know when can I actually spend time in the shop and when do I spend time with the family, and being clear about. Um, when she was okay with me being in the shop and not being with the family, because I, I think without that communication, it became me sitting and wondering if I, if I'm making the feel family feel like I'm abandoning them to come down to the shop. Um, so it was a lot of being clear with them that I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to be there then and, and not 
yeah. with them. Yeah. No, I've, I've heard. And then also the, oh, go ahead. the converse of, you know, when I have time with them, I set that aside and that's time with the family. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, that's something I heard kind of Bob mention in his, Bob from I Like to Make Stuff, his kind of, when he was getting started, you know, he was spending time in the workshop because it was kind of an outlet for him to get off of the computer, but, you know, it, it's sacrificing time with the family. So having to figure out a way to make that outlet, you know, something that could be a little more uh, useful, if you will, um, that's uh, that's definitely... That would be a struggle. And I, I know obviously everybody, all of our listeners who don't do this full time, that's the constant struggle is, is finding that shop time and, you know, justifying that shop time. So, um, yeah, I think once you have kids, that's going to be a game changer, whether it's your business or not. So, yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. Zach, what about you? How How is making stuff change your life? Um, I actually enjoy living now. <laughs> I mean, like it was that bad. Like it really was like, I, I, I know it, not to be too dramatic, but I always like up until working for myself and not having to deal with the whole bureaucracy of working a 40 hour job and doing what always for me was just remedial work and pretending to work. That's what most of my experience with work has been is that you pretend to do stuff all day long and uh, in reality, you know, and then you come up with a better way to get the work done and you, you, you tell your superiors and they say, oh, that's a great idea, but that's not how we do it. <laughs> exactly. You know, and it's just, just frustrating. I just always felt like I was treading water and like just smacking my head up against a wall for eight hours a day and uh and and this is this has been like a revelation i mean it's like being self-employed is one of the the most life-changing things that has ever happened to me i i enjoy every day um i look forward to every morning and it's it's just a total a total life change for me and uh i mean it's even like you know even with just confidence and stuff like i just feel so much better about what I do. And like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm happy to meet people and tell them what I do and people are interested in what I do, like genuinely interested. I mean, you, you meet people and, you know, eventually that comes up in the conversation of what do you do? And I find now that people actually want to know what I do and they're like, Oh, how does that work? What do you do? That's awesome. Blah, 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 blah. Whereas before you just get the, Oh yeah, that's, that's cool. Yeah. My, cousin did that for a while and you know it's just it's nice that, when that, your work has meaning to you yeah i mean and i'm excited to, to to talk about it with people and tell people and it's just i mean it feels good um i mean that's honestly i mean it's is is uh ridiculous as it might sound um just like self-esteem and just happiness on a day-to-day -day level is not at all ridiculous, man. I think that's one of the I most mean, rewarding things. We're doing something we're all competent at, you know, that's a, that's a pretty exciting I mean, thing. Yeah. And, and I feel like people are like, we're meant to be, take pride in our work yeah. and uh, we're, we're meant to be proud of what we do. And you spend, you know, when, when you, when you, when you sit down and do the math and you figure, all right, you work 40, maybe 50 hours a week. It's nowadays everybody's, it seems like every, nowadays everybody's on salary so that they can uh, get them to work more hours and pay them less. Yeah. Um, 
it seems like the the loophole of the past 10 years yes. is everybody's some form of manager. Yep. Like you go to a gas station <laughs> and everybody's like the shift manager yeah. and there's only one person there. So that way you don't like have to everybody pay has the, Yeah, everybody's a manager or an engineer that's not really an engineer or like some some lofty title and then they get a salary and they work them to death. And you know when you do the math, you know, if you're you you, you have to you know, wake up, do your morning thing, uh, you know, drive to work, work, you get, you know, an hour lunch, then you have to drive home. You know, you're spending minimum of, and just cause even if you're only working eight hours a day, you have an hour lunch, there's nine hours, figure an hour commuting, there's 10 hours. You're getting pretty close to, by the time you add everything up, you're almost half of a day, you know? Yeah. And uh, at least 10 hours a day that you're doing something, that's that's almost half of your life. And eight hours is sleeping. So if you're lucky, you get four or five. If you're really lucky, you get six hours to do what you want to do every day. That is a quarter of your day that's actually That's all yours. housework. Yeah. And that's like laundry and paying the bills. And God forbid you have children. I don't know how that works, but I would imagine it's really stressful. I mean, even... You know, so like I said, if your your average person that's working a full time job is getting anywhere from maybe three to six hours a day to themselves, which is nothing. I mean, of your life, that's a, such a small percentage. So if you're going to be doing something, you you have to be doing what you like. You know, um, yep. and and it well, was. Go ahead. I could also change that up slightly because I mean, making isn't just. Uh, it hasn't just changed my life for my job's sake. Um, making has changed the way I view things uh, because I look at things from the point of view of, you know, I don't like that, but I could make it better. Mm-hmm. Or um, I don't want to spend that, so I'm going to go and make it. Um, and that's my outlook on the things around me has changed um, as opposed to you know, just buying things for the sake of, I, I'm looking for exactly what I want. So I'm not going to buy anything until I find exactly what I want or, you know, that's doesn't work for me. I'm going to throw it out and get something new. Yeah. Yeah. No, it does totally change. I mean, every time you walk into a store or, you know, go to a museum or whatever, I mean, I think it, it makes a lot of those things more interesting. I think even at restaurants and stuff, I'm always looking underneath tables and, you know, the bottom of chairs and it's kind of ridiculous how it, it totally changes who you are as a person. And I mean, for me, I'm just completely obsessed with it. So I, I'm pretty sure my wife is probably sick to death of hearing about woodworking and, and making stuff and all this stuff, but I just can't get enough of it. It it is, it's truly something that, you know, has changed the way I look at it's things. It's different. Though. Yeah, it's different because it's it's like it's it's a career and a hobby. Yeah. It still feels like a hobby. Oh, to me. it totally is. It still is. feels like something that like I couldn't wait to get back in the shop and like get stuff done. It's not it doesn't feel like going to work. And I know that's like a cliche thing that people tell you, like find something you love and never work a day in your life, but I mean it's uh as much as I hate that cliche, it's it's true. Yep. And for me, I don't think I could be completely happy. I've had great, I've had a, I've had like two or three bosses that were really awesome and they're almost like fathers to me. Um, but I've also had like 20 jobs. So that's not a very, that's not a very high percentage of, of good environments. And, uh, 
I, I don't ever think that I could be completely happy on somebody else's schedule. Um, yeah. You know, and, and it, it, it's all you. I mean, it's all of your success. There's no excuses. You can't blame anybody else, but you get, but you actually get to act on your ideas, which I think to me, that's, you know, I think people are creative, whether or not you make stuff or whether you, whether or not you think you're creative. I think that people, people have ideas. And if you're not allowed to express those ideas, then I think you end up miserable. Yeah. And I feel like that's what most jobs do is you, you, you get paid to keep your ideas to yourself and just look busy. Yep. And, uh, so, well, I mean, and I mean, the other thing is the more you work, generally speaking, the more money you're going to make and it's all for you. So like, that's a huge motivator for me to work my yeah. butt off is that I know I can just continue to grow and continue to build my business. And, you know, whereas my last job, you know, it was like, I'd maybe get a raise occasionally, but we didn't have like structured performance reviews in my department and we didn't have structured like raises and that kind of stuff. So it was never like, why, why would I work harder? You know, like, why would I do anything, you know, like really bust my, there's, butt there's no incentive. Yeah. yeah. So now it's like, okay, yeah, I can, I can work six days a week and every night I'm on my phone doing stuff while I'm laying in bed, you know, responding to comments and stuff. And I see the benefit of all that in, in my bank account, you know? So that is a, that is an, awesome driver for me an awesome motivator for me. So, you know, not just cause I want to be rich or whatever, just cause I want to be comfortable and, and doing something I enjoy doing while still being able to, you know, make a living and, and, and yeah. live the life and I, I mean, live. You get to decide like, what do you value? You, you get to make that choice any, every turn of the way of like, well, what do I value right now? Do I value time or do I value money? And being able to make that decision for yourself while not being held to a exactly. schedule is really, and and I find that, you know, I, I like working, so it's not, it's not really much of a decision, but if I need to, you know, we just, we just left and went to Chattanooga for a week. Yep. Like I never would have been able to do that. And we had a great time up there and uh, we couldn't have done that had I had a job Yep. and, uh, you know, working for somebody else, Yeah. but I could still get work done there. And it was just, yep. it just, I mean, it, it's, I mean, I, I don't, I guess I can't help but bad mouthing all of my pre uh, previous jobs. But I mean, I feel like I'm like out of prison. Yeah, I mean, even if they weren't <laughs> bad, like... it's, it's not really, I mean, I think some of it's making, but a lot of it's just working for ourselves. You know, I think that's, that's probably been the, the biggest, you know, change that, you know, you are the ultimate deciding factor. And when things succeed, it's because of you and nobody else can really take credit for that. Cause at the end of the day, it's your business. And, you know, all of us do this by ourselves. So it's, uh, it, it's pretty, yeah. pretty awesome. I mean, I think for me, it, the other big thing is like just the tangibility of what we're making, you know, before I was a computer guy through and through, you know, so like I could make some cool videos and cool websites and stuff like that. But you know, at the end of the day, like, yeah, I was proud of that work, but it's not the same as having some really cool thing that's sitting in front of you that you can touch and, and look at. And, you know, it's like just a totally different feeling. And, you know, when people come to visit and things like that, it's just, I don't know, it's a really totally different experience and, uh, just so much more rewarding in my opinion than just, you know, making digital things, which is what I was doing before. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and the, the neat thing for me is like I kind of touched on earlier is 
like every every job that I've had before, like I feel like I, I'm out on the floor and, and I can come up with a better system or a better way to get things done. And I'm like, you know, what would make my job way easier and more efficient is if we did this instead of the way we're doing it. And nothing ever came of it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, when you're stuck there for so many hours a day, it doesn't matter how much work you get done. Like there's, there's never, you can never catch up. There's always, you know, well, you know, especially in some retail, like retail, for example, like there's nothing to do. Well, you should be windexing that counter that you just windexed 40 minutes ago, or you should be restocking the shell or things that don't really, it's like default. It's like managers typically are just like, uh, well, I know that you have to look busy. So do these things that you just did. I don't care if they don't need to be done. Just, yeah. Just don't, just don't enjoy your time here. That's all I want to do. <laughs> Pretty much. So. Well, that kind of goes back to the maker mindset of looking at the world of how can I change it to be better as opposed to how can I fit into it? Yeah, exactly. Well, it's constant and improvement. Like, I feel you know? like it's that whole Kaizen yeah. mentality. And I think that's a, it's a really good way to look at all aspects of your life, you know, like try to constantly improve. Cause I mean, honestly, we're never doing anything as good as we could be. You know, we could do literally everything we do better. So, you know, just trying to improve that and not just doing it the way you've done it because you've always done it and that's the protocol and that's the normal procedure. Yeah. And there's, you know, the incentive of, I always like the idea. I, and it never, never actually happened, but I'm like, God, what if I had a job where if I could get eight hours of work done in three hours, I could have five hours to myself. Yep. Like exactly. what if, what if I work really hard and come up with a better system or a more efficient way to get this work done? Then can I have, can I have some freedom? Can I have, have you a ever read the four hour work back? week? Yep. Yeah. It, well, no, but and you, when you're, uh, you when you're, you, you got to read that yeah, book. It's, the it's the four awesome. hour work week is like, that's an awesome, awesome book. Yeah. But, but when you're working for somebody else, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you get everything that you need to get done all day done in three hours, then guess what? Then you're bored pretending, then you're bored windexing the same counter yep. for five hours yep. or, you know, like out of your mind looking at the clock and, and, and that's not how we're supposed to live, man. That's just not what people are meant to do. And, uh, now, now that I'm self-employed and doing this for myself, I can do that. Like if I want to wake up early, uh, and just knock out all my work before noon for the day, I, I can do that. You know, and it doesn't always go that way. Sometimes you end up putting in extra time, but, but, uh, you're in control of that. And, and I sleep way better. I know that's weird, but the fact that there's no pressure for me to go to bed at any time or wake up at any time. Now I go to bed early and wake up early, like no problem, but there's no stress. It's not, it depends for me. I I don't know that I sleep better because I, I think, a lot of times I'll lay in bed with my gears turning, you know, cause that's of course when oh, yeah, my mind yeah. seems to turn on as soon as my head pits, hits the pillow. So I'm like, I do all my design work between like midnight and three. Yeah, and pretty much. I'm like, okay, it's time to go to bed, but I'm just going to hop on Pinterest real quick. Cause I got an idea for a project and I want some inspiration. And then I've got like the whole thing planned out in my head by the time I go to sleep. And you know, it's, <laughs> it's good and bad. I find this kind of interesting because, uh, Zach, you know, it sounds like you really didn't like your last job. And Johnny, you were kind of ambivalent to it. But my last job was my dream job. That was literally the job that I dreamed about for years. And I finally got it. Well, mine was too at the beginning. But then seven years later, you know, I changed. And, you know, you see, I think 
any industry can look awesome. I mean, I was working for a freaking cigar company. You know what I mean? Like I was, I was, we did beer and liquor pairings. I was smoking cigars and drinking beer on camera, you know, like every time I'd go to the office and I was going to Nicaragua to the cigar factory. So to a lot of guys, that is an absolute dream gig. But with any job comes things that you don't like, you know, it doesn't matter what it is. You could be, you know, a, a beer taster for your whole life and it would still get old. So I think one of the, the big things that made it that much more appealing to me particularly is even working my dream job, it was a stagnant thing. Um, it was it was a job that doesn't change. It was, you know, it was a position. Whereas I can change what I'm doing to fit me. So if I get bored with what I'm doing, then I can change it. Yeah. Um, if I want to find a better way of doing it, then I can change it. it is, it's not something that's stagnant. It's something that's constantly morphing and becoming who I am because I'm a human being. I'm morphing and changing and, and becoming someone different. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's like I started out woodworking and now I've kind of started, you know, the past couple of months really branched out into a lot more materials and mediums. And, you know, it, it always keeps things fresh. That's That's the other thing is like when you're making stuff – don't get stuck making the same thing over and over again because I think that will lead to burnout and, and boredom. You know, try new things, try new materials, you know, concrete, leather, upholstery, metal, whatever. Uh, and that'll really, I think, you know, reinvigorate you if you ever get in a rut with this yeah. kind of stuff, which is totally easy to do because, I mean, you know, you're, you're maybe scared to work with a different, you know, material or a more advanced project and, you know, worried about screwing something up. But, you know, just go for it. What's the worst that could happen? So Yeah. I mean, I feel like excitement is, or, I mean, that's <laughs> by definition. I mean, if, if we, we want to be excited about things. And I feel like for me that comes through uh, exploration and, and new stuff. I mean, people get um, desensitized to the same thing, yep. um, like you're saying. So I feel like if you, if you're not you know, and I feel like that's where creativity comes into place. If you're not doing new things, if you're not learning new things, then what's, what's the point? I mean, yep. you have to figure out how to keep things interesting and, and, uh, variety is the spice of life. Yep. Yep. Cool. Well, you guys, uh, good on this one. We got a bunch of questions actually. So sure. Sweet. Cool. All right, so first, a couple of people actually responded <laughs> last week's or two weeks ago's show where we talked about Druthers, and I forgot to talk about them last week. So, oh, yeah. So Ryan Wall and Seth Anderson, thank you both for writing in. Evidently, it's like the origin is uh, people in England uh, would combine the words I'd rather, and like they would pronounce it I'd rather, and they'd combine them and it would just say druther so there you go so that's uh, yeah somebody sent me a, a instagram message that said yeah. that and it was cool. yeah that was kind of funny so that was a good one thank you guys for writing in there um so i think uh et, is it etymology yeah that, or in, entomology maybe for, or i don't know i think it's etymology, et, etymology. The, the origin of words yeah, yeah. and that's really like as far as drab of a idea as that is like it's really interesting i feel like figuring out like how weird words came about totally exactly entomology, entomology is the study insects. of ants and insects yes. 
I think etymology it's et- is etymology. etymology. Story words. No n, correct? There you go. Yes, yeah. totally. I don't know my mologies very well. All right. <laughs> um, so, okay, we got a couple more. Uh, Make Brooklyn asks, so in the woodworking world, there are two basic divisions, uh, kind of many beyond that as well, he says, but basically power tool and hand tool. Is there something analogous in other areas like metalwork? And we're kind of talking about this in the live chat, and I think, you know, to me the biggest comparison would be like traditional blacksmithing versus welding. And they were kind of talking about knife making and, and basically stock removal versus actually forging a blade and that kind of stuff. So what do you guys think? I, I guess the blacksmiths are the hand tool, old school, you know, get off my lawn guys of the metal world, you know, <laughs> I think that can be easily broken up the same way that I break things up. Does it use electricity or not? Um, you know, if it uses electricity, then, you know, it's newfangled. It's newer. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, it. They're they're totally different. Um, they're, I feel like they're totally different yeah. categories. But within each category, there's going to be subcategories, and um, I don't think any of them are better or worse. But like, even with blacksmithing, you have like the, you know, has to be hand forged, and then you have the people with the power hammers, and you have the people that build knives, and then you have the people that do ornamental stuff, and they're totally different. Like. I mean, there it's apples and oranges, um, and you have blacksmithing and you have metalworking, you know, fabrication, which I feel like are two completely different skill sets. I mean, they 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 uh, intertwine a lot, but they're they're two totally different skill sets. Yeah. Um, so I I don't know. I mean, well, on blacksmithing, you there's, literally there's always a bunch of coal and and some fire, basically, and a way to to keep it stoked. So you know, some sort of bellows or something and. And that's as old school as it gets. You know, there was no welding before there was electricity except for forge welding. So, you know, if you, uh, that, that is, that is the hand tool, I think, you know, analogy in, in the metal world is blacksmithing and, and, you know, without a power hammer, without a, a hydraulic press, without all the, the things that speed things up, you know, shaping a hunk of metal with your arm and a hammer. So cool. Uh, we've got another couple, uh, Keith Johnson. Uh, what's going on, Keith? Uh, is it, hey, Keith. So he has a question. Have we ever given a discount on a commission project for being late on delivery per the original schedule? He's talking weeks and months late. So I know he was that late because of things that were kind of out of his control. But I, myself, I've not. I've been lucky enough not to have that kind of thing happen. So I've, I've never had to run into that. What about you guys? Um. Yeah, I've I've never had that issue, but I don't give hard yeah. hard dates. Like no matter how much like two things I have learned never to do is to quote a price before I, I will never quote a price without having um figured out my materials. Like I won't even guess. Oh no. Um like I, I'll I'll say, you know what, I I I really they'll be like, Well just give me a ballpark. Like I, I <laughs> like no <laughs> i i don't want to shoot myself in the foot and i have before um yep. so that like two things i've learned is always you know always write down and figure out all your materials and your labor before giving even a ballpark and uh two as far as timelines like say i think i should be able to get it done but uh, by this date uh, but I, I will never guarantee a date. Yeah. I, I will say should and 90% sure, but I will never say absolutely because I mean, you can, you just can't predict things. Like we had to evacuate our state for a week because of a hurricane. Sure. Like, um, 
so I, fortunately I haven't had that issue and I feel like it's one of the mottos that I'm sure everybody's heard a, a ton of times is, uh, under promise and over deliver. Exactly. Like if you, if you say I'll have it tomorrow and you get it done in two days, people are going to be pissed off. Whereas if you say, you know, I should be able to have it done in a month and you give it to them in two days, they're going to be ecstatic. So totally. Yeah. I, I really grappled with that early on with giving way too specific deadlines for things that didn't need specific deadlines. And I'd have to keep pushing them back. And yeah, it's a, it was, it was a not, not a good thing, especially for this kind of stuff. I think, you know, very rarely do things like this have a, a super hard deadline. I mean, the one exception I've had is when I was doing those bathroom vanities, basically I had to have them in so that they could get the plumbing installed and then get basically the campers in there. It was for like a summer camp, uh, the next like week. So yeah, that was, I could not be late. So that was why I had to go into hyper crunch mode and hate my life for a couple of days. But, uh, yeah, avoid that if possible. All right. Um, I think we'll save the other one for the after show from Sean. That should be a pretty good one for James to answer, I think. So let's go ahead and move into what we've been watching. And I'm going to go first this week because I stumbled across this guy. I don't know how. I, think, I guess a YouTube yeah. suggestion. The channel is called Wintergotten. And you guys might have seen this video. It came out a little while ago. It's hugely, hugely viral. It's called The Marble Machine. And it Oh yeah. Oh yeah. my god. It's like the coolest thing you've ever seen, but he's rebuilding it using much more uh much better techniques. So his friend has a CNC and they're really doing it right whereas the last one was kind of uh you know, ghetto rigged and if you watch the behind the scenes stuff it like barely worked and you know, so now he's like trying to tour and stuff like that and use this machine so it needs to be much more reliable. But anyway, kind of going through the process of building all the parts and you know, the engineering behind it is amazing. And if you guys haven't seen it, it's basically this giant plywood contraption that lifts up marbles and you're using a big hand crank uh, to kind of run the machine. And then these marbles drop onto, he has like a, a xylophone and a bass guitar <coughs> and then a, a, a snare and a bass drum. And basically the marbles are what are playing these things. It is absolutely amazing. Definitely, definitely check it out. So uh, I love his Monday videos too because he has uh, there's a museum, yes. the Spielcock Museum, that has all of these mechanical instruments. I take so it he's, he's going German. by going through them one by one and showing how they work and what they do, and they're just absolutely fascinating, yeah. fascinating instruments. Yeah, no, he's not German. He's uh, 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 Netherlands. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, okay. one of the Scandinavian countries. Um, yeah, so definitely check him out. Just amazing. I mean, and go back and watch that original Marble Machine video because the song, even the song is really good. You know, so it's just like everything about it is awesome. So that's my pick. James? Oh, yeah, it's my turn. Hey, I can talk. <laughs> um, uh, Blackbeard Projects. Um, he, he does a lot of really interesting videos, but he did this one with mosaic pens recently um, that I thought was just absolutely ingenious. Um, so he took a brass tube, um, for, you know, for putting pins through, um, through knife handles to hold the, uh, the, the, the wooden plates on, um, he took a brass tube and then filled it with brass rods and then filled the gap in between the brass rods with a colored epoxy. And it was absolutely gorgeous. Um, uh, just, uh, one of those things of why didn't I think of that, um, 
really, really cool. But he does a lot of other things that are just kind of interesting to watch and uh, some really great inspiration. Nice. Yeah, I'll check that out. Those those pins, that style of, I think they call it mosaic pins, are really, really cool. They can add so much to, you know, even if it's like a very simple knife with simple scales, you know, just like a solid wood or something, not some crazy, you know, stabilized resin thing. Just that little subtle detail of those kind of cool-looking pins can add a lot versus just a standard, you know, brass rod or whatever. So that's cool. Zach, how about you? Um, so I, I've only seen, I think, two videos of this guy. Um, uh, 6061.com. Okay. Is, it's, that's not the website, but that's his YouTube channel name. Um, really cool stuff. I mean, obviously, uh, that's in reference to aluminum but uh he just does really cool stuff he only has a handful of videos and and uh his tig welds are incredible and uh let's see what were the ones that i watched here he made a uh a potato cannon that he welded together that was pretty awesome and um actually the one that the one that got me was he made his own flask with aluminum and just the process was really cool. Um, really simple. And, uh, it was neat. I, I like the way he works and he has some really cool gadgets. So yeah, that was on that note. I thought that was neat. Have you watched this old Tony yet? I actually okay. did watch, I have them on my other computer. I watched a few of them and I started, I don't know if it's a bad habit, but usually when I find a channel, I go to like their first videos thinking that like I'll get hooked and watch them all the way through. I watched some of his first videos. His espresso and, thing. Uh, if you like that kind of aluminum fabrication, he he made, you know, like a like those espresso little stovetop espresso makers. He yeah. did the whole thing. I saw that one. I haven't clicked oh, on it. Oh, it is but awesome. Yeah, I, I, uh, I watched, he did one on springs. Yeah. That one was actually really funny. Yeah. Um, he's awesome man so yeah i feel like because his first videos are like from five yeah, years no, ago and i think good he's probably i'm sure some of the newer ones have i'm sure he's matured a lot but i've watched two from like a couple of years ago and they're actually pretty good so i still have them up on my other computer so when i get the chance i plan on watching some more stuff but uh yeah cool well let's close it off with the uh tools of the week let's go first zach you got one um, I do. Mine is just the simple Swanson speed square. Nice. Um, there's a lot of speed squares out there and I don't think it has to be a Swanson, but get, get yourself one that's not plastic. <laughs> and I mean, I use, I use those things all the time, uh, especially if you're doing any welding at all, but I mean, it's just handy. There's a lot that you can do with them. And, uh, uh, Justin from, uh, make build modify make build modify did a really good video on all of the uses for speed squares so that was uh, they're, they're an you, awesome video yeah you can do a lot they're they're a lot more useful than you would think yep. so check that one out yep. james how about you i am going with the humble brace um the you know what most people call a hand drill it's a a line with an offset crank and uh you know, the more I use it, the more I, I love it. And I'll grab that before I even grab my my hand drill for regular construction around the house. Uh, even for like driving in three inch screws, it is actually really easy and uh, enjoyable. I don't know. I just, I'm kind of liking it. Nice. I'm weird. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> um, 
So mine is not really a woodworking tool. It's the new motorized slider I got, man. I think that that single-handedly has updated, upped my production value like an immense amount. And I know I've like, you know, John Malecki got one after he went to the next up thing. And I totally gave him crap about it because I'm like, dude, I can't believe you spent all that money on that thing that, you know, like production value on YouTube is so overrated. But I, I totally am, you know eating crow because man that uh that thing is awesome it's really added quite a bit and you know just just adding a little bit more of a dynamic feel to a lot of my shots and uh, especially the sped up shots it just makes them a lot more interesting to watch in my opinion especially when you have a good bokeh behind the item you're moving around totally i have seen some videos out there where people get sliders and they just go nuts with them and i feel seasick after watching yes i'm I'm trying not to be that guy who's like every shot is a slider shot so you know sprinkle a few in here and there so yeah that's uh that's kind of my goal because i agree especially it's a slider when you get a slider and when you get a gimbal and all of a sudden everything is like you know smooth walking in towards the person or like you know going up and down it's like everything is a gimbal (laughs) shot i'm like okay we don't need that many gamble shots, you know, it's like this, this could be a tripod shot. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's easy to fall into that trap though, for sure. So cool. Well, I think that's going to do it. Thanks to everyone for listening. seems like we had a really active live chat. So I don't think we were expecting that since we moved the time, but that is awesome. Thank you guys for hopping on. I think all of us were kind of hoping it might work better with people who have a regular day job, you know, where they can listen in at their, at their desk and, that seemed to be the case. So again, we will be streaming on Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern time on YouTube, uh, Crafted Podcast on YouTube. Go ahead and get subscribed over there. And we are on Patreon. If you guys want to support the show a little further, that's a great, great way to support us. And hoping to hit that $250 goal soon. I definitely want to start adding some weekend shows and maybe do some uh, one-on-one interviews and that kind of stuff. Like I'm going to be in California in a month with Chris Salmoni, and I'd love to do kind of a, a deep dive with him, how he got into all this stuff. You know, we've already had him on, but just get a little more in-depth about that. So uh, I guess until next week, happy building, everybody. See ya. See you later, guys.